0: What if you could hang out with seriously talented copywriters and other experts, ask them about their successes and failures, their work processes and their habits, then steal an idea or two to inspire your own work? That's what Rob and I do every week at the Copywriter Club podcast.
1: You're invited to join the club for episode 148 as we chat with author and copywriter Robert Scrobe about adopting a unique copywriting niche and positioning himself as the industry expert in memberships and subscriptions, the sales formula he used to outline his recent book Retention Point, why people join memberships and why they leave, and what it's like to write a book with Dan Kennedy. Robert,
2: uh, it's my honor to be here. It took—I uh, guess I'm 148 on the list of the uh, the most interesting copywriters to
1: talk to. <laughs> you're you're way above that, but we just haven't been able to get it with you. You're so busy. Uh, That's you know, true. You're such a great business. It's amazing to have you here, though. Thank you so much for for being here.
2: I'm honored and appreciate. Uh, pre- I, I don't. I I don't hang out at copywriting events or speak at those the the th- those things. But uh, I, I I certainly see copywriters struggle and become very frustrated. So I hopefully hopefully we can share some ideas that uh, can help simplify this whole business for everybody.
0: Sounds great. Well, let's start with your story at first. How did you end up as a copywriter?
2: Uh, actually a uh, Back in 1993, I was an accountant at a public accounting firm and de- hated it. I was there like three months and left. Took a job as a bookkeeper for a company that did consulting with nonprofit associations, uh, and and ended up buying that company about five years later. But so I had twenty associations that I was responsible for doing membership marketing, event marketing, sponsorship sales, and 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 I you know, I needed to know how to get this stuff sold. I kind of ran across Dan Kennedy um, about 96 and found, a, you know, how to write a sales letter, his find, how, how to find, write a sales letter book. And I can remember sitting at my living room coffee table going through that book chapter by chapter, writing my first uh, sales letter ever and, uh, you know, editing it and getting it out. and And so I had, you know for a number of years for my you know, the the clients that we were working with I was writing offers for you know membership sales selling sponsorships selling exhibits and and, and even some political campaigns and and so it gave me a very quick practice in how to write to, because I was writing to movers to get them to join. I was writing to motorcycle dealers, to different types of doctors, uh, dermatologists, OBGYNs, pain medicine doctors, anesthesiologists, and and then occupational therapists and geologists, all different types of people. And so it helped me really understand you know they say you got to learn how that what the language insider language is of the niche and learn what they're thinking and that that experience really helped me learn that i started doing some freelance copywriting uh this date may be wrong but i think 03 04 and then I also started sharing what I was doing with Dan back then, and you know I joined his coaching group and started participating, and he said, "You know what, Robert, you ought to start sharing what you're doing with associations with some of these you know for-profit information marketing businesses." And I'm like, "Oh Dan, I'm just I'm just copying your 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 formula to the association world." And he's like, "Yeah, you ought to." You know, try to show them. To, uh, so, because, I, so anyway I, we did, and I sold a how to create an association product. This is a little bit of a long story, but um, we you know, created information marketing association and built that membership. I sold it in 2012, and then that left me with the uh, you know kind of figure out what was next. And so I started going back to the the copywriting roots, but I knew that. Uh, yeah, for me as a copywriter, I wasn't going. I didn't feel like I was. I was interested in competing with the top dogs. And I was just like, look at that, and go, man, there's just no way I care to go head to head with a David Deutsch uh, or a Paris Leary or any of those guys. Like, why would I compete there? Where can I go that that you know, is never going to get their interest that I can have a you know, uh, my own business. And so after, after a couple of iterations, I figured out that this whole membership thing was a great place to be. And um, so I started building a, essentially what, what between us, we could call a copywriting practice, but the client's I don't ever use that word, uh, and uh, so we created a nice little business out of that.
1: Definitely a, a good story. So just to, to make sure I, I heard you right, your background was in accounting and and bookkeeping, not necessarily writing.
2: Well, I actually I still have my CPA license, so yes, um, yes. I, I at at heart a bookkeeper accountant.
1: So, yeah, so that's interesting to me. Is there are there things from, you know, bookkeeping or accounting that are applicable to what you do as a copywriter or is it more uh, in, even maybe even in understanding the business and the numbers that help you do things specifically or have you kind of turned away from that and just really focused in on the marketing side? I do I do think it helps me
2: uh, in in particular in the math portion of the business and And so while, when I'm looking at a membership business, not only am I able to look at the copy and go, yeah, I think I can do better than this, but that I can also help them calculate what a percentage improvement would mean to their bottom line. Um, So very often when I am doing a diagnosis of a business, I'll have their numbers. And, and so if we, if we're looking at, so in a membership, you, off, you have some sort of um, you know, number. Of, you your your lead acquisition. You have converting leads into maybe a trial member. You have trial conversion. You have you 30 know, day onboarding uh, conversion. Then you've got kind of a long term retention and a retention rate monthly. Maybe you're even looking at an annual renewal. And so you've got first year renewal and then year renewals after that. So by being able to be comfortable with numbers, I'm able to kind of take the numbers they have. And if we're looking at improving the trial conversion rate, I can show, oh, okay, if we improve your your trial conversion from you know, forty-five percent to fifty you percent. Know, that's going to mean X dollars to your bottom line, and you're not spending any more money on marketing. We're just simply making the marketing you do more effective, and and so it has helped me demonstrate a return on investment for the copywriting services.
0: Okay, so before we started officially recording, you said something that really stood out to me. You know, you said that you've hung out with several copywriters. You aren't necessarily teaching copywriters. You don't want to be a copywriter guru. But you've noticed that many copywriters make the, this complicated. Like we just make business and, and finding clients really complicated, um, more complicated than it needs to be. Can you talk a little bit about that and why you don't call yourself a copywriter and how you, you've seen copywriters um make things a little bit more complicated than they need to be.
2: Sure. The really it's applying copywriting principles to your own silly business of selling copywriting services. And kind of the one of the things I figured I was like, okay, with a business owner, if they have a problem that needs my solution, you know, they need they need copy, they need marketing, they need st- Marketing strategy. So, what what are the symptoms of that? Well, they they are they've decreased business. Their cost of marketing goes up. Their sales go down. What is the most natural thing for a person in that situation to do? Well, slice the marketing and advertising budget, cut costs, so that you know they're. So they're still making the same amount of money, even as their revenue decreases, where it's like, well, geez, they're not thinking, oh, boy, let me go find a copywriter somewhere. Let me search for a copywriter. Um, If anything, it's like a marketing agency, right? Um, You know, copywriter isn't the thing that they're looking for. Um, And most likely they're going to search for something along the lines of increasing leads or a few of them will think of conversion even that number and they certainly aren't going to like talk in terms of funnel um so as a copywriter because it, it, you know, think of it this way: as like a, if a dentist was selling, you know, the the scraping of the teeth or the, you know, the, like the using their internal terms of what they're doing, there maybe even their medical terms, profi. You know, how would you like to have a profi? Or you know, I'm a you know, like you know hire a hygienist. Like nobody wants to hire a dental hygienist. Now you may want to have pretty teeth, but Hiring a a hygienist is not what you're going to go searching for. So as a copywriter, holding yourself out as a copywriter and thinking you're going to get business is absolutely ridiculous. Um, You know, like a plumber. Yes. If you're a plumber, when people have that type of problem, they think, I need to hire a plumber. If you're an electrician, if people, you know, they walk into a room and the lights don't work, they think I got to find me an electrician, but copywriter, there isn't anybody searching for you. And so that, so that is like, okay, well, what are the symptoms that these businesses have and how can I promote myself as the solver of that pain? And and, and then let me find a place where that pain is as big as possible, and then I can be the the solution and promote myself as the solution to their chief problem that's keeping themselves up at night. And you know, I think that copywriters make this fundamental mistake that they try to sell themselves as a copywriter. And I get it. You know, I've, I've read all the AWAI sales letters and you, you know, be live this life as a copywriter and that's fine. You can really live that life, but it won't be because you sell yourself as a copywriter. You've got to sell yourself as a problem
1: solver. And will you tell us how you do that in your own business? What is the problem that you lead with and how do you talk to your clients in order to make them want to work with you?
2: I work with membership organizations. And, and to be honest, I work with all phases. Like, you know, c- I can work on their numbers. I can work on their member acquisition, lead magnets, and and their retention, their renewal letters, all, their, the content creation, all of it from start to finish. I've built several membership organizations. i worked with some of the biggest in the world, um, worked with names that you would absolutely readily know and um are you know that like ninety percent of the u s population would would readily acknowledge maybe even ninety eight percent and but yet from from start to finish, but what I promote myself as is the retention expert um that way, I'm not competing with ad agencies that are selling social media, I'm not competing with you know, other big agencies that are, you know, trying to sell them on creating advertising for television, uh, you know, I'm the retention expert, and when I get into the, the business and start talking to them about retention, uh, very often then that ripples into their entire process from. From lead, acquisition, conversion, conver- uh, and then conversion of trials into retention. But by I want to be in that conversation. Now, what that does, too, is it brings me a type of customer that, because that sounds like the most people in the world of membership want more new members. And I I would generate, I could sell products and sell a lot more books if I was promoting member acquisition. No question, probably 10 times the books. But the people I would be generating would not be good clients for my services because they need to have a particular perspective on how membership. Should be run. Retention has got to be. If retention isn't a priority, they're not really a good client for me because they're not going to let me do what I need to be able to do. Um, you know, you you can acquire customers uh, a lot faster, easier. Uh, doing other things than what I suggest, but what what I help you do is generate ten times the lifetime value from each customer you generate, and so you 've got to be willing to look beyond the initial transaction in order t- for a lifetime value in order for me to be worth. so by being that retention expert, not only am I unique and different from everybody else, but I also acquire the customer that has a good fit for
1: for what I deliver.
0: Right. And I imagine coming up with the title retention expert, it took you years to get to that point, years of experience and identifying which clients are ideal and which ones are not ideal. How, what would you recommend to a newer copywriter who's still figuring out their niche? Um, Maybe they haven't, they're struggling to figure it out. So they continue to call themselves copywriters because they don't even know. What solution? Um, what you know, the problem and the solution they're trying to figure out for their clients. What are some basic steps they could work through initially?
2: Yeah, I think you need to go where. Um, well, number one, just pick one. Like you know, there's just like, pick a business and start marketing to it because you'll learn more by doing it than you'll ever learn by thinking about it and worrying about it. And picking a business. And pursuing it is going to be more effective than trying to call yourself a copywriter anyway. So you may as well just start moving. Next, in terms of, and I get it, like, oh, well, there's a lot of fear of failure that you're going to do the wrong thing. And then also, you know, when is it that I've just got the right market but the wrong message? And so, you know, the, or, you know, have you picked the wrong market and you need to choose something else? I get all of that and have worked through it myself. The in in terms of how I think if when back when I was running the Information Marketing Association, I worked with hundreds of people who were trying to find their niche and we had jumpstart coaching calls every month where I was working with beginning information marketers who were trying to figure out what niche they were going to go with and almost every time the niche where they came from, they had some unique knowledge that wouldn't be available to somebody coming from the outside. They had the insider language. They knew some of the problems. They may be even familiar with some people that could be a referral source. And it was a lot easier to come up with a list of names of types of you know co- potential customers. So I would start from where you came. And think about who there would be a a, a good fit and yeah I, I know that you didn't you may not have liked it you may not you know you may, may think that there are greener pastures somewhere else, but I suspect there is a way to make that work that would um that would be fun and engaging for you and uh and and still be a, um, a more lucrative place than trying to strike out into virgin territory.
1: So Rob, how do you, uh, promote your business these days? Is it mostly through referrals?
2: Actually, mostly, uh, sort certainly there are some referrals and, um, and that's, those are fabulous and I love, love when a client is like, oh my gosh, you got to call Robert. Um, but primarily it's my book, um, the retention point, and I I wrote the book uh, first uh, by publishing a newsletter, and the newsletter gave I I essentially picked a a number uh, at the time it was more like a couple hundred prospects that I felt like I could help and i got i researched and found them on linkedin and then i would google the name of the business on google maps to try to find their address and get a mailing address and i mailed them snail mail newsletters every month and um some some would call me immediately some never called me uh but having a newsletter allowed me to uh to to publish and create articles and think about stuff in a way that I hadn't otherwise been able to do, and it created many of the chapters and pieces that turned into the book, Retention Point. And, and, and then when I created, you know, so I was publishing the newsletter to prospects for a good four years, and that was generating the clients that I needed in order to, to, to keep everything moving and creating the book. Now, the book, um, Retention Point, and it is is generating most of the leads now, and uh, you know that book is written like a sales letter and is really intended you know to sift and sort whether or not you are a good fit for me, and you know the people who call who've read that book and call are like tell me how much I'm ready to work with you, um, and so that for me as I being I'm really my biggest weakness is my sales. Uh, I, when I talk to a client, I'm immediately diagnosing and, you know, actually like going to work for them and act, trying to sell them. You know, you know trying to. I, I've read all the books, so I, I understand the process, and I actually can teach it very well, and actually do it on behalf of clients brilliantly. But on myself, I just have no ability to sell. So having somebody call and say, I want to work with you. Tell me how how this goes is my kind of call.
1: I definitely want to ask more about your book, but uh, just want to clarify, when you sent out the newsletter to prospects, this wasn't necessarily something that people signed up for to get from you. You went out and found the addresses and started just uh, sending out the newsletter to get in, you know on their radar. Is that correct?
2: That is correct. If it was email, it would be called spam, but because it's male it we call it um and and we think of it uh think like each article was really kind of a direct response sales letter so you know it was written problem agitate solution and the solution you know was you know, what, you know, you got to do this. You know, so you have a retention problem. People are ignoring you. You know, people are churn you know, they're not using what you're selling. They're, they're quitting and telling you your stuff is not, not any good. You need to do this, this, and this. And, uh, and then the next article would be about some other aspect of the, re- you know, people are, you know, the, their, their credit cards are failing. And then when you call them, they're not even responding. Well, that's a symptom that your program isn't any good. If, you know, if, they, if, if, if the electric company called and said they were going to shut off their electricity, I can promise you they would get a return call. Um, it, you're just not a big enough priority because what you're delivering isn't important. And so you make it important. So you know, it was problem, agitate, and you got to be, you know, so like most content marketing, like it's all it's a bunch of crap, this whole content marketing idea. Um, it's like, oh, we'll produce good content and they will call you. It's got to be problem, agitate, solution content in order to be, quote, good. And and that in and of itself is immensely valuable if you're pointing them to the solution to solve their problem and helping them recognize how this little thing that they may have glossed over, this little symptom that they're like, ah, it's not a big deal, is really the hole through which all of their profits are pouring um, is crucial uh, in order to get them to to get off their butts and call.
0: I like that you mentioned that you I forget how you worded it, but you don't, you don't love selling or uh, even though you know how to do it, um, you, you studied it, you know, everything about it. You can help other clients do it. So you have built out this diagnosis process and I've heard you speak about this process before. I think it's really cool. Can you talk through, um, share that with us in more detail, how this works for you, um, and the diagnosis portion of it?
2: Yes. And and in fact, I had a uh, so I so yesterday I had somebody who called and it's a massive United States brand, actually worldwide brand. Fifty percent of their customers are international. But um, they you know, they're like, all right, how does this work? How do we hire you? Like, no, you can't hire me. Um, I'm busy and I I don't know if I can if, if I can really if I'm the right fit for you. Uh, number one, they hadn't read the book because they were actually referrals. Like number one, you got to go read the book, and number two, uh, after you've read the book, and uh, what we'll, what we'll do is, you know, I'll you know, I'll sign whatever because clients of this size, you have to do a non-disclosure agreement. So I'm um, so I'll sign your non-disclosure agreement. And then I need to see the numbers. You know, how many. You know, how many leads are you getting? How many conversion? What what's your trial conversion rate? And then let me see what you're sending. You know, you said last year you tried to improve conversion on the trials. You tried to improve retention. Uh, they, this this company has like a definite season when people are tuned in, and and then there is kind of a lull and an off season. And um, and so they like okay, you know, what is I, I want to see these numbers and this information so that I can come back to you with a few recommendations of what I would suggest. And then based on that, then let uh, what, su- what I suggest we do and what, what I think we would take in order to get that done. And uh, then you'd have a better idea of whether or not I'm the right fit for you. And I'll, I'll know whether or not I feel, feel like this is gonna be successful. And so it's a little bit of a takeaway sale, but it's a takeaway with like a little gift, right? Because I kind of, I walked away, but I kind of left a gift of, oh, wait a minute, for free, I can get some knowledge from this person and, and, and maybe I can implement it. Now, sometimes I'll even tell them, you know, at the end of this at the end of this conversation, after I present this information, you can do one of three things. You can take it and implement it yourself with your existing team. Uh, Two, you can ignore it and do nothing with it. Or three, you can decide that I'm going to be able to help you implement this faster than you ever could yourself on your own with your own team. And uh, we'll work together in order to get it done quickly. And so I position myself as as an accelerator. Um, But the but I, I, and when i come back with the diagnostic i'm able to, i don't always have the numbers but um probably about at least a third of the time i'll be able to come back with the their actual numbers like very few companies even have numbers like on conversion rates and things, you know like the simple stuff that very few people even massive companies it's, it's just You'd think that they're doing it right, and they've got some numbers, but it doesn't count like three quarters of what they're doing because that's in some other system somewhere else, or I don't know. But um, it's it's almost always the case. Nonetheless, when I do have numbers, I'm able to show them an ROI story. Um, But. Generally, after they've read the book, they know they have a problem. They they know that I'm um, the person that's going to solve it, and they're like, "Oh yeah, all right, yeah, this that would be so much better." Uh, and there's no way we can do it as fast as you could, and I become the safe choice. So you know they've got people they're reporting to that have told them you need to fix this problem, and then they can turn around to those people and say, "Hey." not only are we fixing this problem, but we've got the number one expert and he's going to do it for us.
1: I love that your book is such a big part of this process. And I'm going to pimp your book for you. I know that our listeners probably aren't, uh, you know, the best prospects for the kinds of business that you do. But I think everybody who uh, is a copywriter ought to get a copy of your book just so that they can model what you've done with it as far as, how you've spelled out, you know, problem, agitate, solution throughout the whole book, and, and then how you use it in your business. I love it. But I also think that it's really useful for anybody who's not necessarily working in a membership or a subscription business, but still wants to be able to retain clients and have repeat business. Like, I think a lot of the principles continue to apply for a lot of different kinds of businesses. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I've got a, a big question here, you know, other than, um, you know, I, I just... I I think that this book is just such a cool um, piece of your business and the way that you use it to me just seems brilliant. Thank you. And,
2: and I really modeled it off of like, you know, taking, you know, Ben Suarez's book, seven steps to freedom. And, and some of the, you you know, certainly, you know, Dan Kennedy's books, there are much seven steps of freedom is like a 600 page book. And certainly Kennedy's books are much longer. Um, But, uh, I had, and then also i i I modeled a lot of it off of red Sheffrin's manifesto that that he had created you know he had this um, us versus them sort of scenario in it where you know he positions business opportunity seekers versus business builders, and he talks about all the bad habits. Biz op seekers face and do versus business builders and the and the traits that they have. So uh, you know, I, I started out with those sorts of models in mind in order to you know try to help the reader distinguish themselves as I don't want to be one of those people. I want to be like this. So anyway, yes, thank you for that, Rob. And I, and I do feel like it, uh, it is, is working. It, it is a very effective sales tool for me and uh, much more effective than I am over the phone.
0: And it sounds like the book is a great, effective uh, sales tool for attracting high-end clients, right? High-end uh, retainers. It's not necessarily for if you're working for a, you know two hundred dollar projects as a copywriter. This is for long-term, um, high-paying clients. Would you say that's that's accurate?
2: Well, I, I would even challenge the premise. I don't think you go to copywriting school so you can do two hundred dollar projects. <laughs>
0: That is true.
2: Hopefully, (laughs) why would I buy courses to learn how to do $200 products or just go on Elance and become one of them vendors?
0: That's true. Well, that's why I want to talk about your business because you are getting paid more than $200 per project. So, um, can we just talk a little bit more about your business today and how you work with your clients to solve these problems, what the structure and what that looks like with the clients? Yeah.
2: Um, and that's why the diagnostic is so important so that i can and uh, in, in all that right right now to, uh, the diagnostic is free um and certainly i could uh, charge for it and i probably i think probably within a few months i probably will start charging for the diagnostic and build the value a little bit differently of of what i'm presenting but uh, nonetheless the Right now I'm doing it for free and what it allows me to do is come up with four, five, six things that I can see that need to be changed that can have a positive impact on their business. And so then I... I, what I do is like, all right. So uh, these are the these are the six things I could recommend. One, two, three, four, five, six. Go through. This is the impact I think that they're going to have, and 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 I think that you know this is exactly where I would start with you and um so hey if and and I think if you if you want to take this and go forward, you're certainly welcome to if you would like my help, I think I can help you implement this a lot faster than you probably could on your own and what i most of my clients really appreciate is I kind of come alongside their team, and I work with them to actually get these things implemented. I'll do all the writing if you need the graphic design, I can get that done too. Uh, The only thing I can't do is actually load it into your email system, because I don't have your user ID and password, but I can give it to you in HTML so that it's ready to load, or I can give you the handouts and the emails and the materials so that they're ready to go out the door um, so that there's as little work and overhead on your team as as possible, because I'm I'm guessing now, I, I figure that they're already slammed busy with what they have to do, Trying to add a whole other project would, would just never happen. So I'll take care of this. And what I w- would recommend is that I think that we can get this done um, over the first six months. And so you know it's going to be you know twenty thousand dollars a month for six months. And I would expect that we you know based on us working together that we could get this done. Uh, but there is no commitment. Uh, so uh, while a lot of my clients, pref- and once I start working with them, prefer to keep me on well beyond the six months, uh, if you get what you need in a month or two, you can cancel and there's no obligation. I work just like my, my clients do. Uh, we earn uh, our membership every single month. And, uh, if, and so if you, for whatever reason, uh, feel like you've got what you need, you're, there is no commitment to keep me on. But I think in six months, we can get this, these six things implemented and that you'll be able to see an impact even in month two because of this. And uh, you'll be able to evaluate uh, what we do uh, at that point and going forward. How does that
1: sound? It sounds pretty good to to me. If I'm a client, I'm, I'm liking it too. So I imagine that a lot of people who just heard you say that you know you're charging twenty thousand dollars a month, who may be listening, they drop, they're they jaws hit the floor. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, how a
0: little bit more than two hundred dollars. Yeah, how
1: how does he charge that much? And and you're not just working with one client at a time. Uh, so we, you know, talk a little bit about that, like the value of going after clients with money or clients that you can really help move. Uh, the, Their business forward in a really big way because I think a lot of us look at that and think, "Oh, that that stuff just doesn't happen." And you're proof that it does, and it and it can happen in a lot of ways.
2: Well, Bob, are you going to go fishing for brim? Or are you going to go fishing for sailfish? You, know, you, yeah, the brim doesn't look very good on my wall. That's for sure. <laughs> you you bait the hook. You you take different tackle. You go to a different place. You. Put, you put use different bait, but you know, if you go brim fishing, you're never going to get a sailfish. And so you have to decide what type of client you want to deal with before you go out fishing. And then when you pick, you find somebody that's got some money who has a problem and you go out and solve that for them, offer to solve it. And um, it, it's, you know, it really is that easy.
0: Okay, as a follow up, because so many of the copywriters in in our club struggle with this and um, struggle with the mindset component of it, Um, like, are there baby steps along the way? You know, when you were starting out, what did that path look like? Were you initially charging more like ten k per client per month? Um, And does it take time to develop this mindset where you're like, yeah, like this is the type of client I'm going after? And I feel confident that I can get these results. Um, I guess I just want to kind of see the path because I feel like so many of us struggle, like Rob said, even to think about 20K per month per client. It's like, well, I could never do this. Like, Robert up can do this, but I can't do this. Um, what would you say, I guess, what tips would you give to a copywriter who does struggle with that mindset stuff?
2: You know, I think the, the mindset of I'm not worthy or I'm not worth it, or I don't know that I, you know, if, you know, it's kind of like, you know, the difference between the folks who go to Las Vegas and play at the $5 table versus the ones that go to a hundred, you know, it's like, oh, well, I'm risking something, you know, I, I I don't want to lose that much money. But when you're selling in, copywriting services it's not like I'm putting 20 grand on the table and if I don't get the client I lose $20,000 there's really no loss for asking for that and not getting it uh, and in fact if they go off and say yeah man he's a great guy but mart man he's a very expensive that's exactly the reputation you want to have right um and and so you you don't i think the what you were developing the mindset is really the secret um and and i i heard dan and i and i guess i don't, i don't really even know a shortcut to getting that mindset other than just deciding that you're going to do it if you got to do affirmations and write that out and you know tell yourself you're worthy and tell yourself you're worth it all those things are nece- whatever is necessary in order to help you feel that you can ask for that. But I remember him for years, to, back in you know I, when when I was working you know, making a, a whole I have a lot less than I am now. And um, say you know the the ability to a- ask for big fees and get it is directly proportionate to how you can ask for the money with a straight face. And so, practice, stand in front of the mirror and ask for it and I can tell you, um even now, when I ask for twenty thousand dollars, I feel myself choke on it sometimes. It's like twenty
0: thousand dollars a
2: month and and uh, I, I it's like another reason like my my sales strategy like here it's like, oh yeah, I'm a badass i can I can rattle this stuff off." Whether there's actual client there with you know, with a checkbook, you know he chokes all up. But uh, but yeah, you know what? It doesn't matter. They still give it to you um, because not because you're worth it, but because they have a problem. It's not about you. It's not about whether you're worth it. It's about their problem, and they need a solution, and they're losing customers. They're running a business that's that's underperforming. They have goals that they want to hit, and you can be the person that helps them reach it. And so quit making it about yourself and your own little head trip and what you're worried about and make your – Make it all about them and how you can help them solve their problem, reach their goals, make more money, sell their business for what it could really be worth, and be that person
1: rather than the worry wart. We we could end the interview right there. I think that was golden. That was <laughs> that was awesome. So definitely yeah. great Seriously, advice. Can
0: you can you be my mindset? I want you to be my mindset coach. I know that's not a part of your business right now, but that was great. I'm going to listen to that. You over just and over need to
1: pay twenty thousand dollars a month, Kira, and, and you can get. <laughs>
0: That advice.
1: So Robert, um, this isn't really copywriting writing related, but you have insights into a lot of pretty amazing businesses. I'm curious, like what are the things that some of these memberships and subscriptions are doing right that might be applicable to, you know, our own copywriting businesses or those of us who are working with, you know, memberships or people who are, you know, launching courses, that kind of thing. Are there, are there, you know different things that they're doing that it's like hey everybody should be doing this these one or two things
2: the the biggest mistake that i see over and over again and and even good copywriters do this is they they write about themselves and and so it's so easy by like going into these subscription businesses and seeing How they're talking about what they deliver and and you get and you get access to this and we have this library and you get we'll deliver these calls and we'll deliver it's like that's so insane. Again, with the dentist, it's like, you know, uh, oh, hey, oh, you're going to come to the dentist's office. You're going to wait in our waiting room. and It's a beautiful waiting room. You'll love it. And then we'll call you back and we, we're going to put on this hazmat suit and put on a bib around you. And then we're going to get this metal thing and scrape your teeth. Uh, no, when if you're writing copy, you say beautiful smile in minutes. And the the, the big thing that that really, what I am doing is helping these subscription businesses flip from a list of all the stuff they deliver to how what they deliver impacts the the, the subscriber and how it's going to change their life. I flip this into beautiful smile in minutes, and um, and so it's so, you know, even like i are working. I mean, it, it, it's 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 a it's simple copywriting 101. But for whatever reason, when folks get into this subscription space, they feel like they need to create a list of, of what they deliver.
0: I wanted to ask, you, know, you mentioned Dan, Dan Kennedy a couple of times in this conversation, and our listeners all know Dan Kennedy. What would you say is the most valuable lesson you learned from working with Dan Kennedy?
2: Number one, if I know anything, and I've said anything smart, at all. It's because I learned it from Dan Kennedy and Bill Glazer. Uh, they uh, were very, I mean, tr- absolutely instrumental in me figuring all of this stuff out. And I think the the most important thing I learned that I felt like I understood it when I heard it, uh, but that has really become more profound as I think it's really kind of the central thing that Dan teaches above all, which is be wary of the wizard and be the wizard. And and the more you look at whether it's even, even like looking at AI and how big AI is in the world of business or cryptocurrency or whatever like if you if you know, we were we were joking i was at an event last week with perry marshall and adam witty and uh, G- uh Travis Miller and a whole this whole group of marketing experts that are we were just hanging out, having a having a fun time. We were just like talking about our next thing. And it's going to have to be, you know, like CBD, oil, cryptocurrency, AI. And then it's going to be brilliant because of, you know, throwing out all these terms that are each, you know, for whatever reason, exciting to people. But like if you watch what happens, there are people who come out with, this is the new thing. This is going to be huge. This is going to be brilliant. And and I'm reading this book about, it's called Bonanza King, which is about the mines in Nevada in the 1850s. And they were doing the same thing back then. It's like, you know, there are people who show up and say, I've got the new secret. Whenever you see that, know that it's complete bullshit. Um, Ignore it. Yes, it will be popular. Yes, there might be money to be made, but that's not the core of what you're about. And instead, you want to be the person who is proclaiming the next new way the next secret, the next breakthrough. And that's one of the things that you'll see even within retention point, how I, I am positioning myself as the wizard, how, uh, you know, this is the secret to growing subscription recurring revenue is not by focusing on new members. It's by retaining the ones you got. And there's no reason to get a new member until you figured out how to get the member, you know, how to keep members around. And why would you scale marketing of something that isn't working? And and so I am positioning myself as the wizard for recurring revenue growth, while at the same time uh, trying to avoid the human nature of following the next wizard that has the next whiz bang thing that's supposed to change my life. And and I think of uh, that that is the thing that. Uh, I feel is the most profound. I certainly learned all about headlines and copywriting and phrases and writing to one person and and all that copywriting stuff from Dan and Bill. But above all, avoid the wizard, be the wizard.
0: Wow, okay, that's such great advice. I feel like we should just wrap and end there. But I do have one more question, um, and it maybe it may this is actually related, potentially, but we, we've asked a couple of other guests. What does the future of copywriting look like to you?
2: See, I don't think there is any future in copywriting. <laughs> <laughs> um, the,
0: copywriting is dead, everyone.
2: Well, I think the, it, copywriting is a skill like forehand, right? And tennis. And you know, yeah, okay, you you can't play you can't play uh, championship tennis without a good forehand, uh, but it requires you know tennis requires a lot more than just forehand. There's strategy, there's backhand, there's service, and I think copywriting is a piece of that. And and showing up to the world saying you've got the best forehand is useful, but incomplete, and that that the real future is in helping people solve problems that they have and holding yourself out as the problem solver rather than as some service that they haven't really heard of.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. This, the, I'm, I'm adding the advice that you've given us here to you know, my list of our favorite episodes, Robert, because there's just so much stuff here that uh, I think a lot of us do halfway. And with just a little bit additional effort, you know, we could be doing so much more.
2: Oh, thank you for that. That's a huge compliment that maybe I moved my way up the list from 148 to...
0: This has, been, this has been incredible. And we do, you know, we do mention you often in our circles, um, when we speak about, you know, addressing the problem and seeing you viewing yourself as a problem solver, not just a copywriter. And that's something that I've taken away from you from our previous conversations. So thanks. Thanks so much for jumping in here with us and over delivering. No surprise.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, Robert, if somebody wants to find out about your latest CBD crypto AI offer, <laughs> <laughs> the Guru of the Week, uh, where would they reach out to you to to connect with you or even maybe to find your book?
2: Well, uh, the book is available on Amazon. It's called Retention Point. Um, my name is Robert Scrobe, S-K-R-O-B, and my website is at robertscrobe.com. So, uh, those are the easiest ways. Um, and, and and again, I I love what you guys do and and helping copywriters learn how to be better copywriters and learn how to get clients. And so I'm not I'm not a coach or anything in that business. Uh, so I you know I just uh, just here to help you and your listeners uh, really figure this out. It's not that complicated. And and it is as good a business as they as folks say it is. I mean, it's like, I, I feel like I had, I had somebody show up to the house. They were like the pest control guy. And I was sitting out back by my pool with the laptop. And you know he's like, oh, you took the day off. I'm like, no, I'm writing copy here. You know, wow, this is hard work. Gosh, how could you uh, it's like he saw me in shorts and a T-shirt by the pool and thought like I was just hanging out. But to most people, this is really loafing. Um, and 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 we are so blessed to be able to to be able to do this job. So uh, it's certainly, it's a it's a great great life. And I uh, it's it's so much simpler than uh, than than it has than, it, than most people make it.
1: Well, thanks so much for coming on. Again, listeners should get your book, Retention Point, at Amazon. It's worth reading just to understand it, but also, you know, as uh, something that they can emulate in their own business, uh, you know, as they grow their own clients. So we highly recommend that. But thanks, Robert, so much for your time. We appreciate it. My honor. Thank you.